Presented by The Hockey Shop, source for sports, Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. This is a special edition of Ingle Radio, the podcast. Uh, we spoke to Alfie Michaud on the day of truth and reconciliation, and we are going to visit that subject. And uh, Kevin Woodley has a very uh, well-thought-out, uh, difficult conversation that uh, travels through a couple of uh, sensitive subjects, uh, but uh, subject matter that, uh, quite frankly, needs to be discussed. And uh, we do it in a fashion that is uh, true to form, uh, involves some hockey, involves some goaltending, but also uh, delves into an area of real life and, uh, and is something that is different for us, but is also uh, an area that uh, we thought uh, certainly deserved uh, some time uh, on this podcast. Uh, we'll get to the feature interview brought to you by Sensorina in just a little bit as we bring in the co-founders of Ingle Radio, Ingle Magazine, uh, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. Hello, gentlemen. Good morning, Darren. How are we? I'm doing great. And uh, before we uh, get into uh, the podcast, just a big stick tap to one of our own and Maddie Hutchison. How about uh, the accomplishment of your little one, who's not so little anymore. There's some great pictures uh, on the uh, Ingo social media uh, sites uh, just uh, of, a, of a young buddy, uh, Matty, uh, when he was uh, just an up-and-comer, uh, enjoying the uh, initial journeys of his goaltending. And now at the uh, just uh, veteran age of 14, he's making a little personal history. Uh, what, what do you think of it? And tell us the story. Well, it was an incredible week, and it's been an incredible summer, really. Uh, as you alluded to, um, and as Kevin so kindly put up on our social media channels to congratulate Matty, he, uh, at age 14, made his junior A debut in the BCHL with the Couch and Capitals, a team he's affiliated with now for, for the season and, and presumably going forward. Um, and, you know, that's not something that happens too often for a 14-year-old goaltender, obviously. He's not old enough to play in the league yet. That's why he's only affiliated. It was a preseason game. Um, but it was a... You know, it was a pretty challenging preseason game. Um, quite often, we, we actually knew that this opportunity was going to come up, or at least uh, had expected it would come up. However, we assumed it would be the first exhibition game of the season, you know, when all the prospects are run out and so on. But uh, at Maddie's request, actually, the team delayed the start a little while because he wanted to play against his hometown Nanaimo Clippers. And he knows a few of the players on the team, including the starting goaltender who lives with us. So, it was a fun little circle there, and uh, the opportunity for him to play was was just so exciting for us. It's one of those moments, I've only had it a couple of times, where I'm putting him into something that I knew he wanted to do very badly, but I was uh, somewhat terrified because I just didn't know how it would go. I mean, it's it's one thing to uh, to have some experience in camp where you're facing prospects that would like to make a team, but uh, it's obviously a whole new level when you hit the game and, and you're with the guys who are going to be on the roster. and. And it was obviously the best hockey he'd ever faced in his life. And so, yeah, I was, I was kind of terrified because it's the kind of thing that could go, could go sideways or it could go really, really well for him. And, and, and it did go really well. Got the, got the win. Um, still the team's only win of the preseason. And uh, the boys in front of him just worked their tails off in, in the sort of second half of the game to lock it right down. And uh, net empty, he had to make a couple of good saves. And, and uh and finished it off so it's it's been a been a wild ride it's been super super exciting for for him and for us and lots of people reaching out and and thank you to everybody who did woody uh you've uh, followed this uh journey uh for the last little bit as well give me your thoughts 
Uh, I just I just had fun on the social media page finding Kevin Hutch and digging through all the old photos we had. Like Maddie's sort of tested like youth gear from like the age of like five or six for us. So um, and now we got to order it in larger sizes so he can test it because he's bigger than all of us. So a few comments from other guys around, like like Eddie Lack seeing the the social media post and saying that he felt old and being able to respond with a picture of him on one knee and Maddie was just as tall as him when he's basically sitting down as like a seven <laughs> or eight year old on the ice together. Yeah, you are old, Eddie, because we all feel old here. So pretty cool. Um, kid's been chirping me since he was probably seven about me not being six feet. Now he's six feet two. I look up to him. Uh, pretty, just pretty cool to, you know, he's part of the Ingle family. And so, um, I, I maybe wasn't losing sleep like Papa Hutch was over there, but I was nervous for him from a distance, found a way to tune in and watch the game myself through hockey TV and was excited the whole way. Edge of my seat as he stopped 18 and 19 in the first period, talk about induction by fire. And then as Hutch said, the team settled down behind in front of him. And, uh, yeah, it was just, I don't know. It was just fun, man. It was fun. I, that was the closest I will ever get to be to feeling like a hockey parent. And it was it was nerve-wracking even here. I actually was pacing in the office when there were whistles or between periods. My wife's like, what are you watching? What are you watching down there? I'm like, I'm watching. I just can't play the first game in the BCHL. I can't come up. I got to watch. I got to watch. And like, no breaks. Had to watch it right to the end. And then she, I think she knew the game was over, but I actually had missed a bit of the first period. I had to go back and watch it. I was just excited for him. So it was it was awesome. It was great. And what a, what a job to do that at 14. Um, no, I wouldn't have been mature enough to handle that situation. So a lot of admiration from over here that, uh, you know, that he was able to manage it all. And like everything I've seen with Maddie, again, fr- sort of from a distance, but living it through Hutch, you know, um, vicariously and, and through conversations. Just the water off a duck's back mentality in terms of how cool and calm he is amidst situations that would make most of us um, a lot more nervous is uh, it's kind of fun to watch as well. And bodes well for the future too, although we're not getting ahead of ourselves. Just enjoy the moment, right? That's what they say. Uh, I think that's the closest that Jerry Seinfeld will get to uh, being a hockey dad too. I thought that was a pretty good impersonation that, that you uh, just rang out there, whether it was whether it was purposeful or, or not. Hey, uh, Hutch, a couple of questions. Uh, more on the on the parent side about what was what was the ride to the rink like? What did you guys talk about? And if you can remember any of that, and what was the what was the drive home like? And following up on that, the in between, how did you watch the game? Did you watch it at the lonely end of the rink, uh, as uh, our good friend uh, Gord Downey uh, uh, sang about, or did you watch it normally? Well, you're alluding obviously to Brian DeCord's interview from last week and, yep. and touching a lot of the great um, goalie parent advice that he gave. Uh, interestingly, just as an aside, guys, I also uh, spent the week, though not at this game, um, working with uh, Brian's new app, SIG Game Day, and, and really love that. But we can get to that a little bit later. Um, so the ride to the rink was exactly the same as it is for everything else we ever do. Um, I did a little bit of a, a piece for In Goal Parents a while ago, and I said, if we want kids to be mentally strong and to treat every game like it's just any other game, then we need to do the same for them. So you can't be going to them at nine o'clock at night saying you need to get to bed early because it's a big day tomorrow. You can't have a special meal because it's an exciting game tomorrow. Everything has to be, in my mind, exactly the same. So we treated it 
uh, exactly the same as any other day he's driving down to the rink. And uh, I think Maddie slept probably most of the way because his team plays about an hour south of us. And uh, and then I just wished him well, and he went into the rink and actually had a great chat with the the opposing coach, who I know pretty well as um, as he was in as Maddie was in the rink getting ready. And it was wasn't until about then that for me the nerves set in. I was obviously in the back of my mind. I was a little worried, but um, that's when I f- started to feel sick, like I haven't felt in a very long time. Um, watch watch the game from the uh, the middle of the ice and the top row so that I can see both goaltenders and uh, get a real real good clear view. Had had some family and friends there. A couple of Maddie's teammates came down, but like uh, it was interesting. Kevin described pacing around because I was absolutely pacing around every whistle once it looked like things were were starting to go really well for the team, and uh, and you just wanted it to to carry on, and and you knew you could feel the tension. Um, it was it was really really exciting, and then. Uh, on the way home, I waited an awful long time. I guess he was probably in the in the dressing room um, celebrating with teammates. And then, uh, yeah, we just had, had a lot of good chats. He just described the whole experience to me. And I, he had told me that he doesn't really get nervous before games until the coach starts speaking just before they go on the ice. And I, I said, well, what, what was it like? And he said, actually, I didn't feel nervous the entire time. It's uh, It just felt like any other game. And I was just out there having a really good time. And so... I guess mission accomplished as, as Woody said, I think that is his strongest point is his mental game. Um, I, I do would say though, Woody said he's been doing this from a distance. It's not always from a distance. I think Maddie's second greatest strength after his mental game is how quickly he learns and can incorporate new knowledge into his game. And quite often that does come from Woody, uh, who watched him practice one day, having a little trouble with a cross ice play. And next thing you know, we're having lunch and there's Woody on his knees in the restaurant uh, demonstrating head trajectory and various other uh, important techniques that come into play for this specific situation. Um, there was about 20 minutes of Woody in the demonstrating elite goaltending technique for everybody in this local restaurant. And uh, we had we had a blast. And and quite honestly, uh, Maddie incorporated it the, the next day into his game and it stayed. So uh, Uncle Woody has had a big effect on his game, too. I'm, I'm just here to get chirped. Me. What's that? I said, I'm just here to get chirped by the kid. Like, he's been bugging me about my, like, honest to God, he has been politely, but also with a good degree of humor, chirping me about not actually being six feet tall for, like, the last six or seven years. And it was it was all fun and games, and I took it real well until he passed me on the height chart, and it's now, like, three inches taller than me. And so, yeah, I just, I'm just here for the chirps. Uh, Maddie's going to take note that you just said that he's three inches taller than you, and you said he's 6'2", so... Do the math, I'm in, folks. I've admitted that I'm shrinking. Uh, I want to throw this at the two of you, and I, I ask this with with all due respect. Uh, he, he plays at 14 in the in the exhibition game. Is this a good example, though, where there are age restrictions in in being able to play uh, at at this level? Like he he obviously is is a very accomplished and ahead of his curve for for his age, mm-hmm. but if if there's no age restrictions and he was able to play, uh, would that be the best thing for him? I'm I, I, I'm curious from a parent's point of view, and then from somebody who's uh, who's watching from uh, a very close distance, but not uh, actually related to the uh, to the development. Uh, go ahead first, Papa. Yeah, well, the first thing I'd say is um, in this specific case, um, I, I'd be okay with anything because I trust the people involved. Uh, James Gartner is the goaltending coach uh, with the Couch and Capitals, um, has become a good friend and, and 
and trusted mentor to Maddie and uh, head coach and GM Brian Passmore. Um, we we have Matthew with Cowichan because we believe in those two guys and and we trust them. And as as I said, I was a little bit terrified about the game, but uh, James believed in him and knew that he could do it. And and so I I just had to rely on that. Um, so in that case, I I feel really good about it. And and if they felt that he was ready to spend the season with the team and it was allowed, then then I would go ahead and do that. So I can't really comment about every situation. For me, it's a it's a very personal one, and and it's about the individuals involved. I could imagine a situation where a kid could get pinned to the end of the bench, and maybe it's not a great thing. I've wrestled with this one for his whole life because you know we're all under these pressures of do you do you stay with the local hometown team? Do you move them away somewhere to a big program and and get them better levels of competition? Is it okay to be on a good team? Is it okay to be on not a good team? I, I'm not sure I'll ever know the answer. Um, I, I do know that the experience practicing with the team, which he'll get this year quite a bit, is uh, is invaluable. And even if you were with a team and didn't get 40 games in a season, I still think it could be a valuable experience because, I mean, the reality is the league he's playing in this year, guys, he's not going to get 20 games. Uh, his team will get more, but, you know, he'll get right. roughly 20, probably fewer. And what uh, level is that? Just for uh, So uh, it's like U18 AAA. It's okay. Yeah, major midget, they used to call it here. You know, I'd love for him to be able to have a little bit more opportunity. At, at his age, he could play up to five regular season games in the league, and then he could join the team when his season is done. Uh, whether they'll think he's ready for that and whether that happens, who knows? But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I, I do think we have to be really careful with with kids' development and not um, put them in a, in a place they're they're not ready to succeed or at least, you know, get get close to the level they'd like to be. But yeah, for me, it's trusting the individuals involved. Uh, well said, and and I ask that also maturity wise. Fourteen year olds with with twenty year olds, like there's mm-hmm. there's that uh, that side of it uh, off the ice uh, as well. What do you what do you, uh, you're you're at arm's length uh, to this or within arm's length of this? I think I'm too far detached from youth hockey. I think Hutch's answer was perfect. I don't know that I'd have a better answer than that. I'd imagine it would all involve the the you know. That, that trust level. And I think the reason those rules probably are in place is because not everyone has the ability to build those relationships or kids get put into situations where it's outside of a relationship that that's strong and you don't know who to trust. And so I think that it's probably, you know, the safe decision, you know, in terms of having a rule is to remove that possibility of being the 15 year old that just spends the whole season on the bench or is taken out of school and doesn't get the opportunity. Like, so, um, you know, I really don't have a better answer than the one that Hutch gave. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I mean, we looked back, right? Like this is Maddie's 15 year old season. He's 14 now when he got the exhibition game, but it's his 15 year old season. Like Dan Blackburn spent an entire season in the AJ and the Alberta junior hockey league at 14 and 15. So obviously the rules change, but it's changed for a reason for every Dan Blackburn. There's probably a whole bunch of kids we can't name that had a different experience and maybe the reason we can't name them is that experience contributed to um, them not reaching their potential so rules are usually there for a reason and uh, you got to trust them um, probably because not every parent not every young goalie get or young player gets in a situation where they you know can trust the people around them the way Hutch has built that trust with the people in Cowichan. One thing I, I would add, guys, is Darren, you brought up maturity, and um, there's two things that have really helped him get ready, I think, for this, and to be with kids, as you mentioned, quite a bit older than him. And 
And one is we've billeted players for years. And so he's been surrounded by guys that play at this level for years, all fantastic young men that have lived in our home and been brothers to him. And so I think he's become a little bit familiar with the situation. He's practiced with uh, the Nanaimo Clippers as a, as a 12-year-old, got to know a bunch of the guys. So, And then, then the other piece was uh, he's been going to Eli Wilson's camps uh, every summer for years. And thanks to my role in, in helping Eli and, and in goal, uh, he's been working with WHL players and shooters um, since he was about 11 years old. And, and he just sort of grew up to think that I'm just one of them and, and I'm going to act like them. And that's the only way to be. And so I think whether, whether you get the opportunity to spend time with older players in, a, in another setting or you want to take a, a young man into your home as a billet, uh, I think those are just opportunities for your kids to see what the next level is like and, and to sort of assume that's where they're going and learn to, to live that way. I'm just happy that your billet this year is six foot eight, so Maddie can get a taste of what it's like to be the small one. Oh yeah, he was sour <laughs> about that. <laughs> uh, did he save the puck? Did he? Did he keep anything from the game? Do you know what? He didn't get a puck. I said, I said, oh, did you take so long because the guys were giving you a game puck and little photo? He's like, no, the puck was at the other end of the ice. I had, I totally planned if it came to my end, I was going to get it, but, uh, but I don't, don't even know what happened to it. But uh, credit to the team. He, uh, they let him back up the next game, which was in his hometown here in Nanaimo. And, uh, and they made him read out the lineup for the whole team that night. So that ah, was kind of fun too. That's, uh, that's awesome. And, and another, uh, bit of, uh, this journey that he's been on has been the support of, uh, the hockey shop, uh, hockey shop source for sports, Surrey, uh, providing all the assistance as we continue, uh, from 14 on. And before Kevin gets to, singing the praises of the hockey shop. I have to say, Maddie was having trouble with his skates about four days ago. We tried a million different things. And the only solution was phoning Cam, who sent him over the new uh, Bauer Pulse TI blades that Cecil had profiled. And to hear Maddie describe the exact differences in how they felt on the ice, one tells you why he's been testing with us for so long. And two tells us why you, why you shop at the hockey shop. So thanks to those guys for helping him get ready for the game as well. And it's not just the fact that they had the latest steel, the, the Bauer titanium coated steel that we, we, pro, we, uh, profiled, pardon the pun here at, uh, on the Ingo radio podcast recently, but the expertise to know what profile, what custom radius they should put on them. Cam with a good recommendation for a good goalie profile, Cecil, you know, putting it on perfectly before he ships them over sharp for you guys to get into a game. And to me, that's a perfect anecdote for why we shop at the hockey shop and the hockey shop.com. It's not just about having the latest equipment. It's about knowing how that equipment will perform for you, whether it's custom steel, whether it's the right fit in skates, getting them baked. So they're soft and wrapped around your foot properly before you leave the store, whether it's a set of pads, the right size chest protector, pants that work with that chest protector, a custom stick, or just something off the rack. The hockey shop and the staff, Cam and his crew, will make sure that you get not just the best gear, but the best gear for you and your game so you can play your best and enjoy the sport Enjoy the position we all love. Make sure you check them out at the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com. And if you've ever got any questions, every time we do a gear segment, Cam gives you the number. We do it for a reason. It's not just about the equipment, it's about the expertise. 
and they have it in spades. They're happy to answer your call, answer your questions, and give you the advice that will get you out there making saves um, and enjoying the game. Making saves like Matty Hutch. I was guys. I was trying to. I was looking for a perfect segue, Darren. But I, I, yeah, I just, I choked. I choked because that's what I would do in that situation if yeah. I was placed, and I would choke. There we go. Uh, I, I was watching uh, this come down uh, about Maddie and and following along in the story, and all I could think of was fourteen, fifteen year old year, but fourteen at the time. And are, are we not so? fortunate that he can do that uh, with the equipment that's available today protection wise and going through that instead of dad's era where you'd be petrified uh, to, to, to face the shots that he can do that and just rely on his skill instead of being uh, flinchy and, and, and scared uh, pops hundred uh, percent there's no way I would send my kid out in that um gear that we used to wear i actually sent him a couple of catalog clips that uh from the old cooper uh, upper body gear this week two piece um, or one piece that, that came up um, what's that two piece or one piece upper two body piece. gear yeah, yeah yeah two piece i had that and and it, it was up on twitter from a, a guy and i've forgotten your handle and i apologize it's like cooper goalie something like that uh a beer leaguer who has all these tribute sets he's built of of retro gear that it's just spectacular he's got a youtube channel as well it's it's super fun to check out so i shared that with maddie and yeah um it would be terrifying to go out and play in the stuff that we used to and i would probably be child abuse to send my 14 year old uh out in it but uh but feel perfectly safe out okay. there now so well hey but I, there's a lesson there like beyond you're right darren like beyond like looking at super old gear and what it'd be like when when we were kids well especially when hodge was a kid because he's the oldest one amongst us um but you talked about this, Hutch. Like he's been out there facing these shots since a very young age, as young as twelve. Like getting to skate with junior and and major junior guys at various camps or uh, there in Nanaimo, and having like there's a lesson here for parents. If you are going to up the level, you do need to make sure that you get a level of protection that the kid is not going to be or develop. Because at 12, you could still become scared of the puck. Not that Maddie would, but dude, I flinched on one on Monday Night Hockey the other day. A guy who played and had a cup of coffee in the NHL came down the wing and put his head down. And it's the first time in years I actually like sort of lifted back up because and flinched and he blew it by me. Like you have to feel safe out there. And, and not to make this a hockey shop ad, but that's, a, that's part of the conversations yeah. we have with Cam each week. We've got a a Bauer Elite chest protector next week for the segment. So that's the second tier down. And I asked him, like, I feel feel really big and safe in this thing. Like, what level am I not going to end up flinching and feel bruised? And so, you know, if you are putting your kids up a level or you have that option or getting them out there against those shooters, it's important to make sure you talk to people about what level of equipment they're going to, you know, you're going to feel comfortable with them being in, but they're going to be safe in, especially masks and chest protectors. Uh, what did you get the blades profile to? What did you tell Cecil to uh, to go with? So Cam suggested he, he, I actually don't even know what it means, but Cam suggested 24, 28. Uh, I went to our local shop and I said to see if I could get his old blades profile that way. And they didn't even know what I was talking about because I guess they use a completely different system. So uh maybe cam can explain it next week on a little cameo or or a week after how that all works but um but he he just the way he described his contact with the ice um 
he said he could shuffle like he could never shuffle before that he felt there was zero resistance and yet suddenly when he had to engage the the blade a little bit it was it was there for him immediately um so that was fantastic woody i would just add to that equipment and again um he did flinch a little bit probably about 11 years old i remember watching him flinch a couple times he's uh, got a really good buddy who was shooting like a man at 11 um shout out nate and uh and Maddie would start flinching a little bit. So I immediately got in touch with Cam. I said, uh, I, the most important piece of equipment for him is his helmet. Let's get him the best helmet we can possibly get him. And, uh, and honestly, hasn't flinched since the day that helmet arrived. And uh, mask for those who hate when I say helmet, Darren. Um, and, and, and do pay attention if you've got younger kids. Because um, with all due respect to our, our friends in the gear industry, uh, the the youth gear doesn't always cut it um, because they have to keep they can't have it too bulky for for these really tiny kids. They obviously have to keep the prices down on them. So from a very young age, I was uh, doing what you and I probably both did, Darren, as as youngsters, and I was uh, cannibalizing old pieces of gear to to bulk up, especially as pants. I found those were were really rough in that sort of hip area as a youth goalie. So. Um, yep, definitely talk to Cam and, and friends and uh, look after your head, folks. I just remember the pants, the inside of the thighs. Like the, the protection is so good now, but it used to get bruised up. Now it's like, ah, I can just make that save when, whenever I want. Uh, great job uh, to Maddie. Uh, great job to you, Pops. And uh, congratulations uh, to uh, the Couch and Capitals for uh, providing that opportunity to, to uh, allow uh, that experience to take place. And we can't wait for uh, the next step. Uh, let's get back to that cam in the hockey shop. Uh, we're talking a little twig uh, action this week, uh, Woody. Yeah, we're going to go back to back CCM sticks. Last week, we had all the pro returns. And folks, keep your eyes on the hockeyshop.com. Uh, the pro returns were due, due to some uh, technical issues, a little slow to get up on the website, but they are coming. If you happen to live in the area, do yourself a favor and go check them out in person. Uh, we teased it on our video. If you go to last week's episode page at ingolmag.com, you can see the racks of sticks, um, both what's out in public and what's behind the scenes. They have a lot of option in the pro return. Well, this week we wanted to talk about the 5.9, which is a second price point down. And in particular, um, oh, there's a camism in particular. We wanted to take a look at what the difference is, right? Like, what do you like? Why would I spend two hundred dollars on the five point nine versus two hundred dollars on the pro return stick? So Cam was uh, gracious enough to walk us through some of the features on a five point nine stick that may not be the top level of what CCM intended to offer this year, um, but made a really good impression on me uh, picking it up for the first time at the hockey shop with Cam. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports here in Goalie Utopia. We have everything you would want as a goaltender, including the new CCM E-Flex 5.9 stick. What we don't have is camp because when I picked this up and said, man, that's really light for a second price point stick, I asked him how much it weighed. And he said, I could tell you, but I'd have to look it up. I didn't have to look it up. I just did a little bit of field testing and it weighs exactly 700 grams at a 26 inch stick. Not bad for a mid price point. That's what we call show research cam and it's usually done before we're on air. I'm a slave for good intros. That works as an intro. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop Source of Sports. 
Okay, your show, your show, your show. <coughs> Tell me about the E-Flex 5.9 stick. Now, uh, full disclosure, a lot of you are like, whatever happened to the E-Flex 5 stick? Remember when we had our CCM designers uh, and, and the people behind the scenes that helped build this gear on the webinar at Ingle Magazine? Um, due to supply chain issues, they've pushed the E-Flex 5 stick back to the spring of 2022, but you can still get the 5.9. And to be honest, sometimes we're a little slow in sort of doing that next price point down, talking about some of these options. Like I said, I picked this up. It feels nice and light. You mentioned 700 grams. Like I honestly felt like it felt lighter. And I think that's because of the balance on it. What are some of the other things that you're going to get in this stick? Obviously, maybe not quite to the extent you'd get in an E-Flex 5, but in this second price point, the first thing you're getting is a lower price point, $200 versus the E-Flex 5 being a more expensive stick. Correct. So, you know, they had to replace their lineup because last year they still had that 4.9, which was a foam core stick. So those are gone now. No more 4.9. Sorry, your foam core people. That's apologies to Marc-Andre Fleury, but no more CCM foam core sticks. My apologies. However, did he call you the other week about those pro returns? Uh, my phone's, uh, it's on loud. I'm still waiting. We got a message in. Call him, Mark. Back to stick. Yes, you're looking for a lightweight stick that's, you know, more reasonably priced. You're still getting a lot of that foam core feel out of uh, the E-Flex line of sticks, which is what uh, CCM was really going for. So Flex is a big one. It still is that soft flex style. As you can see, I can still get quite a good bow, especially into that paddle. I was going to say in the paddle too, because we've seen a lot, we've heard a lot of goalies talking about flex sort of through here and into the, the seam at the shoulder. Mm -hmm. But I've, what I loved about the E-Flex 4, and it seems to have carried over even into the second price point on the 5, is that flex through the paddle, which just that little extra zip when you're popping a quick pass. Exactly. As well as their carbon blade. So that's, a, again, what's helping to keep that weight down. Um, called out as you can see it. Um, again, good control, good feel, good rebound pop off it too as well. So you get that, you know, again, supreme control. But overall, I actually quite like this stick. For what is a $200 price point, it's going up again against some of the other ones that are on there. Again, you're getting a lot of good value out of this, and especially since you don't really have that higher end option. Um, you could argue that this isn't really too far off from that pro stick. And some different options, as you can see, we've got the... Uh... Different sort of curves between the two, but also rounded toe, square toe. Gave Cam square toe. It's a bit of a square. But um, do they even use that terminology anymore? <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> Anyways, so, yes, you're getting P1, which Kevin has, and P4, formerly known as Price Curve and Crawford Curve. Um, again, more of your wedge design, rounded toe. More of your mid-curve, closer to your Bauer P31 here, closer to your Bauer P34 over here for those that are using, you know, the Bauer nomenclature. Um, again, great overall feel. It's a good stock. Two colors. Black and white. That's red and white over here. Not colorblind, actually. Um, and uh, you've still got the uh, pro returns in stock as well. So, folks, the one question that many of you might be asking there is eFlex 4 and Premier 2 Pro stock at $200. Why don't I buy the highest level stick and the Pro returns compared to the second price point of the new model? And your answer, you know, would be A, sort of more stock, like you said, patterns and curves that you're familiar with versus some of the custom ones over there. But the other one would be warranty. This one comes with one. As we said last week, the Pro returns don't. But 30 day lots warranty. of 30 day warranty. 30 day warranty. Uh, but lots of options here at the hockey shop from CCM and their stick line. 
the E-Flex 5 may not have arrived uh, just yet and not till the spring, but there are plenty of options to uh, keep you snapping passes and helping your break out here at the Hockey Shop Gold Department. Cam, if they got questions about those pro returns or about the various options you have here, most of them will be answered. You can check out thehockeyshop.com, but if they want to get a hold of you. 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. He's gotten really good with the numbers in terms of how to call him. Now we just need to work on the research before the show so he doesn't have to go running off as we hit record. Like I said, good entrance. How's your entrance? How's your hair? Try again. Cut. Options, 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 options. That's uh, that's what you get uh, with the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com, source for sports Surrey on the the sticks, the Eflex 5.9 uh, with CCM, or you've got the uh, the Pro Return uh, route that you can go as well. Uh, again, uh, the the warranty is is slightly different on the two. One thing to check out on the Pro Returns because last week when we talked about them, the first thing I thought of was make sure you check the pat, like the 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 blade curve and some of the custom options there um, before you buy. Check out the shoulder, a lot of sort of custom on the shoulder and custom grips. Um, I picked up a Jordan Bennington Pro Return to give it a whirl. It's a, sort of the right size and and flex for me. Uh, I didn't really pay much attention to the shoulder. It's rounded on the inside, a lot more square on the outside. It really changes sort of how you feel. That we talked about the the trigger fingers that they have available as part of the pro returns, but also a lot of different custom options, some rounded shoulders, some shaved shoulders, a lot of different sort of grip options. So make sure you check that out before you buy. And it's a good chance to experiment with those kind of things. For those that aren't familiar with that terminology, the shoulder is the top part of the handle? The grip, essentially, basically okay. where the paddle paddle sort of meets the shaft. Okay. Uh, just uh, wanted to make sure that I knew what you were talking about, and uh, and and I couch that. This is what I do. I say, for those that don't know, that whenever I use that expression, that means I'm not really sure. Well, the uh, reality is I'm probably not even using the right terminology <laughs> myself, so... All, um, the, all the all the equipment companies are listening. What the hell is Woodley talking about this week, <laughs> idiot? Papa Hutch is 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 Woody using the proper terminology there? I don't know, but all I can think of is is can we just create a whole new term, get Woodley to use it, and change the industry? Yes, let's just invent some terminology. That's right. Bend to my will, folks. Yeah. Uh, the shoulder and the trigger finger, and uh, and then let's get into the curve. Do you guys like uh, the heel curve? What what does what does Maddie use? I actually don't even know. That's how good Cam is. I just have to call him and say, Cam, send another one. Nice. Um, I, he, I think he said he definitely wants a, uh, a, a very flexy stick. And I'm pretty sure he would like a big toe curve if he could get one. But I, I'm not sure what he's using. Sorry. One of the goaltenders at the Golden Knights camp, and I can't remember exactly which one. I just saw him come out of the ice and he skated below me. The curve was wicked, and I thought, I, I want that Find curve. Out. It was Find one out. of those ones where you go, is that, is that legal? But, but again, <laughs> curves, curves. There's, uh, we're we're living in a in a very liberal time when when it comes to curves uh, for that. But I, I thought it was fascinating. That the good good for him. You better find out for us. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll do some investigating. Um, slide over to our feature interview uh, brought to you by Sensorina. Sensorina VR, uh, continuing to do some great things uh, in the world of off-ice training for goaltenders, Hutch. 
Yeah, they sure do. And, you know, we've been talking, obviously, about my son and the level he's been playing at. And, and we so often focus on um, the elite and we assume that everybody's out there four, five, six, seven days a week. But the reality is that the majority of goaltenders are only on the ice, uh, you know, maybe one to three times a week, whether you're playing recreational hockey, whether you're at a, at a lower level or whether you're a beer leaguer um, like we are. You don't get to hit the ice six, seven times a week. And yet we know that these kids are all driven to be the best that they possibly can be and just love the game and would have more if they could. Sense Arena is a way that you can do it, guys, because you might not have access to the ice, but you've got access to your Oculus headset. You can load up the Sense Arena app and you can start making saves in your house uh, as often as you want. You can train six days a week if you want. And that's, you know, one of the reasons that some of the NHL teams have adopted them because you've got that opportunity to use Sense Arena to practice your reads, to practice tracking pucks without the way it beats up your body. So if you're, uh, you know, to be repeatedly butterflying on the ice. So whether you're an elite goaltender who wants to, you know, get a little bit more work in without the wear and tear of ice times, or whether you're a younger or older goaltender who doesn't get as much ice as you'd like, Sense Arena gives you that opportunity to train at home as much as you'd like and you get the chance to face some junior and pro shooters and see what it feels like um i can tell you that that working at those higher higher speeds in sense arena translates to better tracking when you hit the ice we've said it before it's like a cheat code for goaltending so every time you load up sense arena it's going to help you become a better goalie and uh, every couple of months you're going to see revisions to the software as well because they just keep making it better and better and better uh, as brian decord alluded to last week when he was talking to us so if you want to check it out if you want to make it part of your arsenal for this season uh, go to sensorina.com you can use the code igm50 that's like in goal mag 50 and uh, to get it to get a discount and um and enjoy folks and what's one side benefit that that i've found with it and Woody, as uh, as a guy that goes hard on the Peloton, uh, will confirm when you're working with Sensorina, it's not just the the reaction time and and what you go through and the repetition of facing shots when you when you don't have ice time, but you, your heart rate gets up a little bit. Like you, you go through these drills and you do get it's you're not walking off drenched in sweat, but but you do get a bit of a, a cardio uh, experience. I think it's the intensity that you have to maintain. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah. it's, I don't know if it's so much the movements and the and the physical, like it's the concentration and having the body in the right position. And you're right. Like you get, there's a little sheen there, right? Like uh, I, I need to, I need to go have a shower afterwards. I'm not yeah. allowed to go to bed. If I'm on the sensory and I can't go straight to bed, got to go make <laughs> sure I clean up after, right? I'm not soaked, but just enough that, uh, yeah, you're not coming to bed like that. I, I was just surprised at that. When you look at your your tracking device, your your watch or whatever, and you go, oh, the, that's a little more elevated than than I anticipated. Might just be because I'm old. But um, we have a, a very important conversation that uh, that Kevin Woodley had with Alfie Michaud in this week's Sense Arena feature interview on Ingle Radio, the podcast. Uh, and it uh, centers around the uh, day of truth and reconciliation and the discussions that we are having now and will have to force ourselves to to continue to have down the road because this is, uh, as you guys so eloquently phrase, it's not a, a one day a year uh, discussion. Uh, but this is uh, this is a path that is different for this podcast. 
but is also very relevant and very impactful uh, to so many. Kevin. Yeah, and you know, um, I think the whole point is to start having these conversations, right? Even if they are not comfortable. And we spend about half of this interview talking about that, about Alfie's experience uh, with residential schools, believe it or not, like firsthand experience um, when he was younger, which is was shocking to me that they existed as late as 1996. Maybe, um, you know, as you hear from Alfie, not, not in the form that we've heard about or as, you know, but these, this was eye-opening. That was eye-opening to me when I read it. I think a lot of these details were eye-opening to people and not hiding from those facts. And so we had that conversation with Alfie. We wrapped it up with some, some hockey talk as well, some goaltending talk. Um, you know, split it about 50-50. And as usual, Alfie has some great observations about the game and the position at the end of it. But I think, you know, it, it it's interesting because the conversation gets easier, right? When we switch back to goaltending for the second half. But that's why this is important. It's not an easy conversation to have all the time. Um, people like me with all my privilege that I've grown up with and not having to experience or know any of this happened, um, it's not easy to ask those questions. I struggle a little bit with it, um, but it's important that we all understand what went on so we can move on a path towards truth and reconciliation, uh, understand what happened, or try to at least make the effort to understand. And, you know, so two things here. One, just uh, off the top, obviously, when we talked to Alfie, it was on the actual, it's a holiday up in here, in, holiday is the wrong word, but it's a, it's a stat up here in Canada now federally, um, Truth and Reconciliation Day. That's September 30th. October 1st is when the Orange Jersey Project, orangejerseyproject.ca launches. And so Alfie talks a little bit about that, but you can make sure, Hutch, to put you on the spot, we'll have to have it in the show notes to make sure people can have the links to go check out the auction there. And, you know, just some fundraising and awareness raising surrounding the day uh, so that they can do more throughout the year to continue this conversation, as difficult as it is to have sometimes. And Alfie does a great job of uh, explaining his feelings and uh, what he has gone through uh, as a youngster, as a, as a father, as a husband uh, now, and how he has those uh, conversations with uh, children and prospects who are coming up through uh, the hockey world uh, in this current day. It's the feature interview brought to you by Sense Arena, Kevin Woodley with Alfie Michaud. Pleased to welcome back to the Ingle Radio Podcast uh, from the University of Maine, the goaltending coach there, and of course, longtime goaltender there, uh, Alfie Michaud. Last time we had you on the show, Alfie, it was you and Jeremy Swayman double teaming it. Um, this time, you know, like bringing you back for a more serious topic, at least at the beginning here. I know you're involved um, in the Orange Jersey pro project. I couldn't think of, of anyone better to bring on to talk about the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, Orange Shirt Day here in Canada, and some of the horrific sort of news that we've had over the past year and how the communities have reacted to that this day. I don't even really know where to start, but just you tell me what, what the news of the past year, how it's impacted you and your community, and what you see as the path towards reconciliation and some of the efforts that are going on these days. 
Well, uh, you know, I guess I would, yeah, it's, it's impacted me because I've had uh, two things, I guess. I went to, I actually went to a residential school. Um, my years in Labret, uh, Saskatchewan, um, you know, I, 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 for me, it's a totally different thing. I went there to, to play hockey, um, but, but I, I lived in residence for a year. Uh, my grade 12 year, um, you know, it, it was one of those things they, I had my own room with two other guys, but, uh, there was a general population and a lot of people ask, you know, did you hear crying and different things? But for me, it was a, a totally different experience in a way. Um, cause I came from quote unquote, a white community in, in Selkirk, Manitoba, uh, kind of brought back into the native community, living, living at, in a residential school, being surrounded by obviously all First Nation kids. Um, so it, it was different for me. But to, you know, um, now uh, looking back, you know, it's twenty something years. I, I graduated in '94, so you know that's it's whatever twenty seven years now. Um, th- looking back at some things and and knowing and understanding these kids were, you know, moved away to go to school. Um, well, because the government said they had to, uh, it's kind of crazy to think about it. And, uh, you know, I was a naive, uh, 16, 17 year old out there. So I, I didn't know much about it, but now, um, knowing a lot of friends and, uh, and knowing a lot of their relatives of what they went through, um, you know, kind of those early days of residential schools it's it's kind of mind-boggling to think uh that that happened to be honest with you um it's uh it's sad uh, obviously a lot of things coming out now here in the last uh last uh, you know half year um you know stuff in, in british columbia and they're finding finding mass graves all all across canada it's 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 sad it's it's something uh you know, it's, it's a part of our history in Canada that uh, was kind of swept under the rug. I know I've had a lot of friends reach out to me that, uh, you know, non-Native friends that just had no idea, you know, that this stuff even happened. So it's it's one of those things that was uh, kind of, again, swept under the rug and nobody re- nobody knew about it. So, uh, you know, for this this cause to kind of bring awareness and, uh, and hopefully... Uh, start the healing process for for a lot of these these people um these families um you know it's uh it's a good thing it's a very small step but uh you know it's really one step at a time i guess what's the most important part of that step right now alfie in terms of is it just that education um and making people aware that this is part of our history and that we can't continue to sweep it up under the rug Sure. I, I, yeah, for sure. Education, education, you know, that's, uh, that's all you can really do right now. Um, hopefully there's some sympathy there because, you know, being first nations, you know, I, I know a lot of people, uh, you know, sometimes they hear things. It's like, well, it's in the past. Well, yeah, it was in the past, but it, it was never dealt with, you know, a lot of these things that have happened around the world, um, have been recognized and, and, and been, and been dealt with. And, um, it hasn't been the case in Canada when it comes to, 
this stuff, it, it's only starting to get recognized and, and hopefully, uh, you know, baby steps, you know, but again, I think the big thing is recognizing, um, educating, and then, um, doing better going forward. So, uh, you know, and, you know, you know, for, for me, just, uh, you know, I really don't know what to do. I, I'm, I'm leaning on a lot of, a lot of friends and, and elders and older people, uh, you know, to try to try to help me understand so that hopefully I can make a small difference, uh, you know, cause I think if we all do that, uh, you know, the world would be a better place. It sounds like, I, I think it would, sh- it sh- probably surprises people. Um, and again, a big part of this is having eyes open and going back and, and, and learning the history and recognizing the history and um, the truth of the history and words like genocide are attached to it and that that is part of Canada's history. Um, I think it probably surprised a lot of people that like that there were residential schools, as you said, as, as late as 1996. And maybe your experiences going in there were different. Um, but what are some of the other education points that you think it's really important to get home and, and to drive home, um, both in terms of recognizing what happened, but the damage and the impact uh, that it had, but also still has in, in these communities. And, and maybe some examples for you, um, you know, uh, being from Manitoba, uh, Ojibwe, um, I hope I said that right, Alfie, I'm, I'm brutal with it. Um, so you, it doesn't, you know, me, there we go. You know me, it's like, doesn't matter whether it's different countries or whatever, I'm always screwing the names up. So hopefully I didn't do it too badly, but what's the most important part here? If is there one? I, I just, I just hope people understand that what happened, I know it was in the past, but it, it led for a lot of things that led on to generations, you know, um, you know, led to, to alcoholism to just a lot of these things that that end up happening with with a lot of first nations well can you imagine getting taken away as a seven eight year old um you can't speak your language uh they're cutting your hair um you know i sat with the late great freddie sasakamus and we had long talks about this and you know he was he was he was in residential school with his brother and he couldn't see his sister for two years. They were all in the same school, um, but they couldn't, they couldn't see each other. And how often it was so bad that he, you know, he, he, he wished he can die. You're nine, 10 years old and you're, you're sen- you're essentially contemplating suicide and how that can have effects on you. And then how that's gonna, you know, that had effects on a lot of people that it, it affected the next generation. And then the generation after that, if, if you can't talk to your mother or father, because they're so um, devastated from what happened to them as, as children growing up through into their teen years and, and they essentially shut down, that's going to affect, you know, that's going to affect a lot of people and generations, which it has, you know, and, that's where I think about it. You know, it, uh, again, I have, I have very close friends that, you know, their parents are only coming out speaking about it now. And, and, and these parents are 70 years old and, and friends of mine, 
didn't understand why their mom and dads were quiet or, or their mom and, you know, it's just something that a lot of these people just try to bury, you know, and you almost want to forget about that. And, uh, so I couldn't even imagine like, again, you know, my, my mom, she was raised on a Northern reserve and, and she had, you know, she was kind of considered a day residential school. So she went to school. It was taught by the, the nuns and everything. Um, but she got to go home to her family at least, but I couldn't imagine, you know, I, I have three young daughters. I couldn't imagine them coming and taking away one of my girls and, and you can't see them for a couple of years, you know? Um, and you have, you really had no, you had no choice either. You fought it and, and probably, uh, you know, got hurt or, or something, but it's, uh, yeah, I just hope out of all of this, there's, there's education and, and hopefully in some small way we can, we can help uh, these people going through this tough time. And it's something, obviously, as you said, that's impacted generations and probably, as you said, not all, you know, just things that people didn't understand, psychological impacts that nobody really knew, you know, what they were from or, or how deep rooted they were coming to the surface now because we are finally having this conversation. Um, tell me about the Orange Jersey Project and how you hope that will help further the conversation and make sure that it continues to happen, that the conversation continues, not just on Orange Shirt Day, not just on National Day for Truth and Reconciliation here in Canada. Um, you know, we're guilty of it here at Ingle, right? Called you to have this conversation to help raise awareness, but it can't just be um, on this day, well, how does Orange, the Orange Jersey Project make sure this isn't just a once a year conversation and that that process continues? So I was contacted actually by my cousin, um, Kyle Prestoop out of, out of, um, you know, out of Winnipeg. And he, he knew I knew people and, and being part of the NHL native alumni group. Um, these guys got together in Winnipeg, um, started this Orange Jersey project and essentially what they want to do is um try to get as many pros um to essentially sign orange jerseys so these guys are gonna gonna get jerseys made up um to say for my name for instance me show my pro number uh we autograph them um you know they're gonna i think they got a two or three week auction um you know, and it's on the link I sent you and, uh, you can bid on it and hopefully, um, raise money, um, and, uh, and raise, raise awareness and, and all the proceeds are going to go to hopefully, uh, you know, help survivors of, of this, uh, this great tragedy, so to speak. So, and it's, it's going to be, I know this was kind of phase one of it. Um, they're hoping to, you know, have another phase where, yeah, it isn't just a one day thing here. This should be something, you know, daily where, you know, people are, are working hard to, to try to try to make a difference here. So, uh, it's pretty cool. A lot of guys really jumped on board. Uh, John Shabbat, um, you know, he's an ex Montreal Canadian and Pittsburgh Penguin and Detroit Red Wing, you know, Johnny really took the bull by the horns. He got a hold of all the guys and the alumni. And I know, you know, Ted Nolan, you know, there's, uh, and I think, I think Trotz and Brian Trotz, there's, there's a lot of guys, Reggie Leach, Jamie Leach. 
uh, Rick Natras, Lori Boschman, Aaron Asham. Um, a lot of guys step forward. They're, they're obviously, uh, you know, Brady Keeper, Zach Whitecloud, you know, guys like that, the younger, younger generation. Um, they're all stepping up and they're going to um, sign jerseys and hopefully uh, get them auctioned off here and, and raise some money. And, and then more importantly, you know, with those platforms, Ethan Bear, all those guys are just raising more awareness and and hopefully using their platforms. Like I, I Woody, I reached out to Weeksy, you know, today and uh, you know via via messenger, and then Weeksy puts put a nice message up on uh, on Instagram, you know, and, and his Twitter account. So uh, yeah, it's just kind of trying to reach out to as many people that have have platforms that can kind of use their voice to uh, just bring awareness, you know, and, and then like you said, kind of start the conversation. It's, it's not going to be, uh, you know, in our household, we use the word raggedy a lot, you know, it's, it's going to be a raggedy conversation. Um, probably going to get upset about it, but it's, it's understanding that these conversations are not perfect. And, and uh, you know, both sides got to understand that, you know, you're just trying to learn. Cause I know, Many times with my wife, when she brings up things and we get talking and I, you know, I almost get offended by it sometimes that she doesn't, she doesn't know or understand, but it, it's not her fault, right? She's just, uh, you know, she's trying to educate. And I think that's, that's where we definitely got to be better. Both sides is the ones that are trying to help educate, um, being very patient and, and understanding that the people that don't know lots of times, it's just. They don't know and what they say or the questions they ask, it isn't to, uh, to be mean or anything. It's just, they want to know, you know, and I think people have to understand that and have an open mind and, and just, uh, continue to talk. Uh, that website you mentioned, www.orangejerseyproject.ca, will have links up. We do have links up on all our social media accounts right now. You mentioned the jerseys. I see there's one from Carey Price as well. Um, we've had that, you know, you remember, I remember when he won, the year he won the heart and the Vesna, the speech he gave, um, talking to a family that was at the Carey Price Day the next year that, you know, was from a reserve and the dad that was driving his son you know, hundreds of miles to kind of a similar story to carry to, to play minor hockey, to chase that same dream, the impact that voices like Carrie, um, you know, like Ethan Bear, uh, like Zach, Zach Whitecloud, the impact that they can have as NHLers using their voices in the other communities. I know you've been very active in that. You see that impact every day? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, it's just, you know, those guys are, you know, never want to use the word God, but they, they are so, uh, worshiped by these young kids. You know, it's, uh, it's a great thing, uh, that they do. And I, I know all those guys, I don't, I know a few of them personally, I don't know Carrie personally, but, but what they do for the first nations and, and how proud those people are of, of what they do. Um, you know, not only, uh, on the ice, but just what they do for, for all those, those people, um, across the country. It's, it's great. You know, I, you know, I, I know I'm a proud first nation, um, uh, and then to see those guys excel in the NHL and, and be some of the best, it's, uh, 
yeah, you're very proud and uh, proud of them. And, uh, you know, and, and again, they're just, they're just, you know, leaving, leaving a path for hopefully some of these young kids to follow and whether they make it to the national hockey league or not, uh, you know, they're just, they're setting a foundation for these kids to, to try to chase those dreams. And, and as you know, and if you can get into some of these sports and, and, and go all in, you know, you don't got time to get into trouble. Um, you're out there just, just trying to, trying to get there. And, and I know just on a personal note, you know, growing up chasing the NHL, like, you know, you're so stinking busy trying to, trying to get there. Um, again, it, it, it keeps you out of, it keeps you out of mischief, so to speak. And, uh, and that's what these guys are doing. They're just leading the way. Um, they're great world role models to all these kids. And, uh, and hopefully we get a, you know, down the road, a, a few more carry prices or Zach white clouds or Ethan bears or, uh, Brady keepers or, or, or Bridget Laquettes, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's great what they're, uh, what those young people are doing. Well, I know you do things as well, and I know you don't like to toot your own horn, but beyond the NHL Native Alumni Association, uh, I know you're involved with some youth clinics um, whenever you have a chance. How important is that work? Um, have you ever come across, and, and I only came across this story today, but familiarity at all with Devin Buffalo and the work he's doing as well. Um, you know, another goaltender who, who came up and, and played some minor pro. Yeah, I know Buff really well. Actually, uh, I spoke, uh, I zoomed into one of his, uh, one of his camps he was having in Alberta. Um, yeah, I, it's just, you know how it is. And the hockey world is so small. Then you start adding the goalie world to boot, it gets smaller. And then, and then you add the first nations. It's yeah, it's super small. Devin's, uh, He's been a great role model. He's going to, you know, he's going to get his law degree. He really wants to make a difference. And uh, for the First Nation youth, he's another great role model. And uh, there's a lot of them out there. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that's great. And it's just, it's just important to get out there and, and let these kids know that really anything's possible. You know, when, when we're out, you know, I traveled with, with Reggie and Jamie and Leach and, very fortunate to travel with Johnny Shabbat and, and that group, the alumni. And, you know, the, the message most of the time, it's not even about hockey. It's just about finding your passion in something and, and then chasing after it, you know, and uh, whether it's a doctor, a lawyer, a, a painter, um, you know, that's the biggest message. And then knowing that, uh, you know, sport can be an avenue for, for a lot of these kids to, uh, find opportunities you know and so it's uh yeah it's something that's near to my heart i wish i had a little more time obviously with the job at maine it gets gets pretty tough to sneak away like i used to um when i did it kind of almost like a full-time gig but uh any chance we can um we're obviously gonna gonna do our best to uh you know help those kids and, and help the people that uh that are putting in a lot of work um you know, here. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Well, I know the impact you've had on a young man, like say breeder Brady keeper in terms of giving him that opportunity first at Maine and then moving on to the national hockey league. Um, but you're on the road now, uh, let's catch us up on where you're at. 
uh, AJ, AJ, you're like you're chasing prospects. AJHL prospect uh, camp right now, driving around Alberta as we talk to you. Uh, life on the road. Eh? It's not all whistling straights golf trip. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was the summer deal. Uh, this is actually first time I flew in last night. First time I got back to Canada here since uh, since March 13th of when when kind of the world shut down. So uh, nice to be back. Yeah, it's great. It's it's always great. You know, it's not home home. Obviously, uh, back in Manitoba, but just to be back on kind of Canadian soil and uh, you know hearing the A's and just how really friendly uh you know our people are it's yeah it, it was just great you know it's kind of gives you a tingly feeling and uh you know to to wheel in like today got up and uh got going i ripped over to to timmy hortons and uh and it was great because tim tim hortons did a thing where they were selling uh you know orange frosted or orange uh orange sprinkled donuts you know for today um which i thought was really cool and uh so yeah just like you said just it's canada you know it really is the you know the the greatest country out there and it's always always great to come home so yeah i'm out here um just for the weekend here to to watch some hockey and hopefully find some hockey players and then uh yeah we we get at it next week for for real we got one exhibition game this weekend that i'll I'll miss because of recruiting, but then it's, it's for real next week. And, uh, and just really excited to, uh, you know, get going and then getting to play in front of some fans. Uh, we start off in university of Omaha, um, next weekend. So, uh, I'm sure it'll be a, a great, great crowd and a great opportunity. So, uh, looking forward to it. Well, nice to have you back scouting. Let's, uh, I don't know if you heard last week, we had Brian DeCord on with some advice for parents. So let's, uh, let's, let's flip the script here a little bit for a couple minutes. Alfie Michaud out there scouting, and I know you do more than just goaltenders, but when you're looking at goalies, there's probably a lot of young goalies out there wondering, hey, what, what, what are they looking for? What, what are these NCAA scouts looking for in my game? What kind of things are you looking for Alfie when you're when you're crossing off the checklist when you're looking at a kid maybe for the first time or for the fifth time probably you know right away jumps out he's you no know, whether a guy's he's mobile what, what's his mobility like uh can he skate or not you know and and that's not just that's not just around the crease like how effective is he getting out and and, and stopping pucks you know so that that right away for me is is one thing and then um uh, you know, just how smart he is. How does he make his reads? Um, you know, because you, yeah, the, the higher level it gets, the quicker it gets. Hopefully, uh, you can read the play quick and 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 make your decisions. And then, um, you know, size is a little bit there, but like I just watched two really goalies that were probably six footers and great edges, um, great. Uh, you know, real, real efficient in their movements. You know, you, you're always just trying to who kind of looks like a, a raw pro, so to speak. And, and, you know, so raw meaning just having that athleticism, like you look at all the, all the big dogs in the NHL, they're so darn athletic and they got that explosive flexibility. So those are, those are things I'm probably looking for. Um, I'm not into the, the clean and fancy goalie. I think we can, 
I think we can clean that up at our level. Um, you know, I, I want an athlete guy that competes, um, you know, just, just finds a way to stop pucks. And then hopefully, uh, you know, if he's a good enough kid, uh, when you get to talk to them and uh, you realize that they're, they're kind of go-getters and, you know, you can, yeah, the sky's the limit, so to speak, if you get a guy that that's coachable. So, you know, I know that's a long-winded answer, but that's, that's kind of the gist of it. Well, I touched a lot of different points, though, and I thought it was interesting that you started with skating because it's been a topic of conversation here at InGoal, both on the, on the podcast and through some of the webinars we did this summer with Hockey Canada. That idea, I think, you know, for a long time, goalies, Alfie, you know, they just want to do goalie stuff. You know, let's do some drills. Let's move in our crease. And I, I really, my ears perked up when I think it was Dan Stewart uh, with the St. Louis Blues uh, development and American Hockey League goalie coach talked about, you know, get outside of your crease, do some of the skating drills that, that aren't just for goalies, aren't just crease movement patterns, because that ability to get out and play the puck is directly tied to that. We heard it from Mike Smith, and it sounds like that resonates for you, too, in terms of something you look for. Yeah, for sure. I, I just think, you know, I, I think a lot of us want to know what the secret and, uh, you know, the secret a lot of those Russian goalies are, you know, because you're, you're seeing they're all great skating and athletic, but it, I think they're just, they got a lot of old school in them. You know, I, I still do, believe it or not, Woody, I do old school stuff. We do, uh, we do the figure eight crossovers around tires and different ways and, uh, I just think you just got to be nimble on your feet. You know, we, uh, guys skip, you know, just trying to, trying to get on the balls of your feet. And I just, I just, I just think that the best, the best, the best, just, just have such light feet, you know, Carey Price, you know, Vasilevsky, Bobrovsky, you know, you know, Swayman, I got to throw, throw Sway a plug. Others I get in trouble, but they just got, they, they got feet where, God, they're on their goal line and it's literally one flick of the heel and they're at the top of the paint or one flick of the toe and, and they're, they're on their post, you know, and I just think that's just something to be said. And then that's the skating aspect. You know, I, I think a lot of goalies for the most part can get East West, but I think that the transitional piece of the elites, that's, that's a big thing. Like, like the way they can, they can take away space in a hurry on a shooter um, you know, just by getting out or, or, you know, they're out, they're out in a situation and then it, it calls for a high to low play and it's boom, they're, they're on their goalpost and then they're back out, you know, before they know it. So it's, I just think that's just, you know, when I really look at those guys that, that, that separates a lot of those guys, you know, that's just something different. And then, and then absorbing pucks, you know, the best find ways to, to soak it up, eat it up, however anybody wants to word it, you know, they're just, they're really good at that. So, so you, when you, uh, when you watch and scout that, oh, I got a two part here. First off, how I want to go back to the tires and skating around the tires and crossovers and, and figure eights and all those things. Cause that return to edge work is something that again, Dan Stewart talked about it. We heard about it a lot this summer, I thought. Um, and as I said, a little eye opening for me, cause I probably had, settled into watching crease movement patterns and in goal doing a lot of crease movement pattern stories and drills and things like that. Uh, you ever get any sort of side, side eye or 
second looks from guys who are coming in for the first time and you're rolling out the tires or asking for the figure eights and crossovers? Or is that something that they know is, they know is coming? Well, you know, chances are I've, I've told them along the way in the recruiting process um, yeah. that I'm probably a little old school in that sense where it is it's something I grew up doing, right? I was, you know, I was it was 86 when I started playing goal. It was a year Wall won the cup with Montreal. So, you know, we, we I remember doing all that kind of stuff, you know. You know, you do figure eights in the in the a center circle, you know, but you skated like a player, you know, or a defenseman. And so we do that kind of stuff. But yeah, it definitely is, you know, uh you get that sideways look, but then then the guys realize that you gotta be able to not only play on your inside edges, you gotta be able to use your outside edge and then you just got to be able to, I always just tell them, men, you, what we do is we play on one leg, you know, essentially as a goaltender, like you're stopping on one leg, you're pushing off one leg. So we do a lot of single leg stuff or, or where you're always, you're bounding left, left to right. So I think if you can find ways to find your counterbalance on one leg, you know, it's, it's going to be beneficial. You know, I know we, we hit the ice with two knees, um, but after that, it's kind of you're going on one leg somewhere, you know, and, and chances are you're stopping on one leg somewhere. So you better be darn good at just balance and using inside-outside edges, and you got to find a way to maneuver that big that big hip bone. So, well, well, well I you know exactly where I want to take that next, but I one little side when you're talking, I, I got to go back to the scouting for a quick sec before I ask you the ballet question. When we talk about one leg, you know I'm going to ballet, but the evaluation process. I thought it was interesting how important you talked about absorbing pucks and controlling pucks was. Um, Brian Decord again, uh, not to go back to last week's feature interview in that conversation, but he's got a new app out that is designed to sort of allow you to easily sort of contextualize a goaltender's performance by tracking some components. So you can sort of, you know, you know how it is. No two shots are the same. So let's add a little context here, whether we're scouting or evaluating a goalie, we're coaching in a game. Um, And one of the most important things he said was that ability to control pucks, quantifying good rebounds, controlled pucks, killing plays, things like that. And it sounds to me like, that's something that you value highly as well, because he talked about how important that was um, and how important it was for him to add that to the app as, as a factor in an evaluation tool. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, stopping. There's so much that goes into stopping a puck, right? The reads, the skating, the, the setting your feet. You know, we, we, we kind of go off the term of you see a puck, you skate to a puck, you set your feet, and then you stop the puck. Right. And, and if you don't, and then the fifth one is what sway kind of, if you're, if you're not spongy or you don't soak, you don't soak it up. Well, guess what? You got to do that whole process over again. And, and it's literally controlled. You know, it, it's just, it's on repeat. And, and the good guys, the good guys, you can call them lazy and go, they're just, they're just smarter at the fact that why do I want to do all that work over and over again if I don't have to, you know, like, my old man, my dad growing up is like, my son, you, if you can control the puck, you control the play. You know, that, that's kind of something we preach to our guys. It's, you know, we dictate the pace of the game. You know, we can slow it down. We can speed it up. You know, it just depends how we want to 
you know, but you can definitely slow the game down by controlling it, whether you're, you're taking whistles or, or whether you got good hands or good stick to, or, or you absorb well on, on body shots, you know, that's uh, honestly, what it's to me, that's just common sense. Like, like if you can get good at that, that just, that's half the battle. Okay, so you said uh, you're happy to be back. You'll you'll have fans back in the stands, I understand, this year, um, which will be nice. Does this also mean, to go back to the one leg and the importance of that, um, does this mean the guys are back in ballet class for real or they still have to take it online? Uh, I, You know, we talked about it. They couldn't get in this semester, uh, so chances are they'll do some. But they have they have their YouTube. They, they We got stuff from YouTube uh, that I got from my my 10 year old daughter's class. And I know the guys, the guys do it. You know, we got actually got some players trying it. Um, some guys that are stiff through the ankles and whatnot. And yeah, it's something like it's there. I don't, I don't push it on them, Woody. It's just, there's something that is, that has helped a guy that that's found his way in the national hockey league. And, and I know, I know it's not for everyone, but what he taught, how he talks about it and how it's helped him with his balance and his flexibility and, and his core strength. Like why wouldn't you want to try it and give it a go? And just, you know, if, if you're really serious about what you want to do and it, and it can help you get, get that one or 2% better, just why not? You know, so I don't push it on the kids, but, but I'll go in and, and chirp them, you know, they're, you know, they, you know, they got their, uh, their skills ball machine they do before practice and that, but then I'll, I'll go on with a friendly chirp about ballet to see if, if it's something, something they've been keeping up of, but we got three really dedicated goalies there. And, uh, so they're all into it and it's, you know, it feels like it, you know, it's working. So we'll stick with it. Okay. Who we keep last one, who we keeping an eye on this year for the university of Maine. How are the three guys looking? Three guys are looking good. All three have looked really good. Um, you know, all three will probably get a get a period here. Um, you know, this this weekend, hopefully. Um, I'm not there, so I'll I'll get the game. Uh, I'll watch the game streamed. Um, yeah, they're all looking good. Um, we're really really excited with all of them. You know, uh, again, where we want to be at is is a program is that. Every guy we bring there, it's hopefully uh, they're coming to play for us and then move on to to play play at the pro level. You know, I'm not saying every guy's NHLer, but it's it's we want to get to a point where every kid has an opportunity to to go play play some pro hockey, whether it's the East Coast, the American League, Europe. Um, you know, you're gonna get you're gonna get your one guy every x amount of years that hopefully makes it the nhl but i'm a realist i it's the best league in the world and uh we'll we'll do our best to recruit you know the best athletes uh the best people and then you know hopefully they put in their work and we'll let the chips fall where they may alfie i really appreciate your time today um conversation you and i could talk hockey and goaltending forever and easily uh, the conversation at the beginning was a little tougher because I didn't know how to ask the questions, but I appreciate you helping me through it because I think it's a conversation that isn't always easy, um, especially from my end, but one that more people like me need to have so that we can have an understanding 
and better understand some of the things that happened in this country and some of the things that uh, that happened at the residential schools. And I appreciate you taking the time um, to share some of your perspective on it, not just with me, but with our audience. So thank you very much, my friend. Oh, thank you. It was, it was great. And and for any of you guys out there, or anybody listening, like grab an elder, you know, when you're walking, grab an elder on the street. Uh, you'd be surprised that a lot of those, a lot of the elders, our older people are always willing to, uh, to educate. And, and that's what I love about our people. You know, they're, they're chock full of stories. And uh, sometimes the story isn't always the, you know, the, you know, happy-go-lucky one but you're always going to learn there's no question and, and like I said that you know just try it one time I, I still do it believe me you know and uh, and I've learned a boatload um, by doing that so and we learn every time we talk to you Alfie on both fronts so thanks again uh, safe travels back after enjoy the rest of the weekend in Alberta safe travels back and we'll catch up soon because you still owe me one on your career buddy we've talked swimming. Uh, we had some heavy subjects today. We talked scouting, but you still owe me you still owe me a podcast on your career. So I'll hold you to that one down the road, my friend. All right, buddy. All the best. Thanks a lot. Uh, you guys all be safe. Take care. You can feel the pressure lift off that conversation, which tells you just how sensitive and how difficult it is to have the discussion uh, with uh, Kevin Woodley and, and Alfie Michaud. Uh, thanks for that, Kevin. Uh, thanks for uh, doing that uh, with Alfie and giving Alfie a voice uh, on, on a very important time uh, in, in, our, in our year, but also a very important conversation that has to happen. Well, and I think you know, it's up to us now to um, sort of walk the walk. We said this shouldn't be a conversation we just have once a year. Um, and finding out that Alfie knows Devin Buffalo, whose story, to be perfectly honest, I didn't know. I wouldn't have known except Sportsnet did a really nice piece on his path and what he's doing now um, that raised my awareness uh, about a, go- a goalie who had incredible success at the NCAA level and is now giving back. And so um, as soon as we finished the interview, I reached out to Alfie to get a contact. And so you know, we're, we're going to try and do our best here to make sure this isn't just a once-a-year conversation here and that some of those stories get told, uh, you know, especially when they involve goaltenders here on the In Goal Radio podcast. Uh, ballet and skating and uh, dealing with the uh, the injustices that uh, occurred in the past. Uh, it was a wide-ranging conversation and one that uh, you might want to listen to again just to get the the full depth uh, of it uh, to make sure that uh, we are are doing our part. Uh, on the subject of, uh, of of skating, throwing the tires out, I, that that that's awesome. That's old school. Well, and it's, it, you know, and you heard me talk about it in the interview, it really revisits the theme we've hit a lot this summer is, um, you know, and, and uh, credit to Dan Stewart uh, for his voice at the Hockey Canada uh, coaches, goalie coach, well, I guess not just goalie coach because we had Andre Tournier uh, on there as well, Arizona Coyotes head coach, but the coaches panel about the importance of not just working on your crease movement patterns and getting out there and working those edges. And then Mike Smith about how important that is to puck handling and getting out. And so really fascinating to me, not just to hear that 
you know, this is something Alfie works on with the tires at the University of Maine, where he's turning out great goaltenders like Jeremy Swayman, who's off to a, another nice start in the preseason with the Boston Bruins. But that it's something he looks for as a scout, like, you know, the ability to get out there and skate and stop pucks and you don't have to be flinging it up the ice a million miles an hour and leading breakouts, but just getting out there and moving like that and stopping pucks. There is one of the first things that that an NCAA scout is looking for at a showcase at the junior level. And so for all those goalies who are still going, yeah, I know it makes sense, but I just want to work on my crease movement patterns. I don't want to go out there and do, you know, figure eights or crossovers. That's not what I do as a goalie. Guess what? Like that is going to matter. And it could matter in how you're assessed for from a goalie coach that could make a decision on your future and whether it involves the NCAA. So I thought that that really jumped out to me on top of obviously all the other stuff. Being nimble. I love the word nimble. I, I, I can barely, like, like most things, marbles in my mouth, I can barely say the word nimble, let alone be it. Uh, you mentioned earlier in the episode uh, Brian DeCord's app. What, uh, what did you like about it, uh, David? Especially uh, as we listen to Alfie talk about scouting, it, it had me thinking again about, uh, about Brian DeCord's app. Uh, SIG game day. I've had a few people reach out and wonder how they get a hold of it. Um, obviously, we linked it on the show last week. But if you go to the uh, Apple App Store, SIG game day, I've had a chance to experiment with it a little bit. Uh, generally, I do not track my own son's games because I'm probably too nervous to to be doing anything else but watch him. But I did use it once for one of his games this week and for two or three other goaltenders over the past week. It was a bit of a learning curve because there's so many different shot types uh, that you're tracking. However, after I'd say about three games, it became a um, pretty smooth process for me. Here's what I just loved about it, guys. Every time I've heard Woody talk about expected goals and um, and the various models around expected goals, I've thought to myself, I wish as a parent I could do the same thing for my child. And, and it became very clear um, why I wanted to do that. And Brian's app makes that possible because last weekend, just ahead of having a fantastic junior performance, Maddie had a, a bit of a tough game in, in U18. And I know that he would have come out of that game really upset normally. He would have um, not been too talkative for about half a day as because he's such a competitive young man. I pulled out um, the results from, from Brian's app and it showed that he'd actually outperformed the expected goals on the game by almost a full goal, which listening to Woody talk about some of these other models is actually a fantastic performance for a single game. And soon as he saw that, soon as he saw the, the level of the different shots and guys, it's objective because there's a model for exactly how you track these things that relieved the pressure right away. And it didn't mean he didn't care about the ones that went in, but then you could go from being upset about the loss uh, to just focusing in, what can I do next week to be a little bit better and still feeling good about yourself? So I just love the app and I'm going to, to the best that I can, I'm going to keep using it. So thanks to Brian for making that possible for, for parents and coaches. Can you bring it to my beer league games, Hutch? <laughs> if you have one when I'm over there, Woody, I would love to, as long as we're allowed to publish it. I'm trying to imagine Woody. Can you imagine being that guy? I don't think I can keep oh, up with tracking folks, a beer am, league game, I, though. I am joking. I am joking. You'd need video to track the 70 or 80 shots he probably faces in a night, because I don't think I could keep up with it. Woody's got his his phone strapped to the to the to the middle bar on the net, 
And every time the puck leaves the zone, he's turning around, taking off his glove and tapping in what kind of shot it was that that, that he faced and ends up getting scored on because he's he's putting that in. Or and waving then, at then the glass. I'm, I'm taking, waving at the glass. Honey, honey, <laughs> that was a great A. Make sure you track yeah, it as hey, a great hey, A. Hey, hey, hey. No, no, forget, forget, honey. I'm taking it to the scorekeeper ass after to show him how many shots he missed. <laughs> and yes, they do track shots in my league. And yes, it's kind of hilarious. Oh, that's and so no, good. my numbers are terrible. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll uh, we'll link everything in the in the show notes uh, for you, uh, including the orange jersey project. And uh, when you go to that uh, that website, uh, there's um, some incredible information and detailed. And uh, and I just think it's great. Uh, the idea is uh, to give out some orange jerseys to to kids and have them ask the coach, "Why are we wearing an orange jersey?" And then it, it just generally starts the conversation in a very natural sense and and makes uh, makes you aware of it through your own curiosity. And, you know, a lot of people may look at these types of things and look at, like, the orange jerseys and the orange shirt day and, you know, and wonder why we're doing all this. And, you know, I'm going to point to Bo Horvat, captain of the Vancouver Canucks, in an answer he gave last week because they, they've done some... Um, you know, orange jersey, orange shirt days. Uh, it's that conversation w- that we just had. Um, it's him doing the research. It's me being shocked to hear that Alfie, you know, who's a guy who has a similar age to me, actually went, you know, to a residential school. It's a different situation, but went to a residential school that they existed. It's about learning about that history. And and Bo talked quite eloquently um, this past week about how everything that happened gave him the impetus to do some research, to go look and, and really understand that history. And I think that's what this is about, is an education process of, of what happened and, and that there is a need for some rec- reconciliation once we acknowledge that truth. And seek out the conversations. Uh, don't be hesitant to do that. And uh, the three of us, uh, white Caucasian backgrounds, are, are not the ones to be giving advice by any means. But we are uh, the ones that have to go out and have the conversations with people who have experienced it and uh, uh, of the uh, First Nations uh background and, and heritage. So uh, we will uh, attempt to heed our own advice and uh, we challenge each other to do that. And uh, we encourage you to to follow suit. Uh, thanks to Alfie Michaud. Incredible uh, discussion. The the I go, keep going back to the part about uh, where he where he has those um, exchanges with his wife and and she's not uh, uh, First Nations and the the back and forth and how he was frustrated but has to remember and it's it's real uh real for for everybody and uh thank you to Alfie uh thank you for cam uh at the the hockey shop uh as well uh for continued support the hockey shop the hockey shop source for sports Surrey and Sensorina VR for David Hutchison and well for for Maddie Hutchison's dad and Kevin Woodley I'm Darren Millard thanks for listening to In Goal Radio the podcast